Okay. Okay. It's been kind of a weird day today. Like the sky is a weird color and I have like the hair on the back of my neck is standing up and my arms. Uh-oh. I don't know what that is. I don't know. It it feels like a prophecy is coming to it's know, like, fruition. Is the weather like turning where you are too? Like it's changing really quickly. Yeah, the yeah, the skies are like full of sort of threatening looking clouds. Yeah. Hear that? <gasps> yep. Oh my gosh. It's a strange day. Oh. oh. What? You know what this means. I think I do. I think it's the chickening. It's the chickening! <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Today, we are going to talk about chickens. Again! Because the first chickens show didn't have quite enough room for all the chickeny things that there are. <laughs> It is, as the prophecy foretold, the chickening. The chickening. <laughs> Let's do some news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Donna, there was a chicken shortage in the UK at Kentucky this Fried Chicken. This is one chicken. of the saddest stories I think I've ever heard. There was pandemonium in the UK earlier this year. Yeah. I mean, real pandemonium. A bizarre story of our times. After KFC runs out of chicken, the police are forced to warn people to stop calling. It's not an emergency. Well, I'll get a free rice box then for coming down because I've been trapped. I've had to go to Burger King. She had to go to Burger King. I know, uh. I can feel the pain. <laughs> I can hear the pathos in her voice. The UK is home to 900 Kentucky Fried Chicken fast food restaurants. Several of them had to shut down because they ran out of chicken. A logistics yeah. contract handover was botched. Restaurants weren't being delivered any chicken, and most of the restaurant locations had to either close or offer a limited menu. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. Yes, can you imagine how it would be to be in a world with no chickens? <laughs> Because that's a little taste of the chaos that would ensue. <laughs> this is all part of the chickening. <laughs> KFC tweeted, To put it simply, we've got the chicken, we've got the restaurants, but we just had issues getting them together. And a KFC spokesman said, Our focus remains on ensuring our customers can enjoy our chicken without further disruption. Well, we hope so. So as of the time of this recording, things seem to be back on track. About 97% of the KFC locations are open for business. Most of them have a full menu, but the damage was done, especially with this young customer. So how sad are you that you didn't get your chicken today? A little. Well, I don't look sad, but I really am disappointed. I'm mad at KFC. Is she at least? 
I mean, like, look at them. They're just chilling. They're happy. <laughs> Sorry, we're mad with them. We want to get in there, sit down, have some food, but we can't do that today. Sorry, but I'm mad at them. That eight-year-old wants to speak to the manager. That's right. <laughs> a day without a chicken. <laughs> I just can't believe there are 900 KFCs in the UK. I can, because chicken is amazing, and KFC is really good. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. That seems like a not enough KFCs, really, if you think about it. 900? We'll have to do the math. Like, how many English people, how many British people per KFC? I feel like that's probably not enough KFCs, really. Yeah. I, I just hope that one lady that had to go to Burger King, I hope she's okay. Yeah, me too. I, I hope she got really, her free rice box. You could hear at least the emotional damage. <laughs> I hope she doesn't have to have too much therapy. Oh, the poor dear. <laughs> <laughs> all the chickening it's all it's the, the chickening's chicken. fault I'm telling you. well with that we're gonna give you a less sober and more cheerful reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode we are also on twitter and instagram at at varmints podcast all one word and at varmints podcast at gmail.com for questions comments stories and suggestions i put together a pinterest board usually for each episode of our show you can find the link to that at the bottom of the show notes or just search pinterest for varmints podcast if you like the show why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to our podcast. We're everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the best way to let us grow. And join our discussion group. There are lots of people in there talking about animals, and especially and even chickens. Yes. Yes. Let's go learn about chickens. Let's learn some more about chickens. Absolutely. Oh, just calming down now. Yeah, take a breath. Hey! Hey! Oh, hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Time for some chicken talk. Time for some chicken talk. Hey, as Donna said, we did an episode about chickens about a year ago. This episode will be completely different. So if you want to go listen to that episode and then come back and listen to this episode, that is fine. This is the only part of the episode that's going to be the same, and that is our general information. Chickens are the most common domesticated bird in the world. They're found absolutely everywhere. Males are called cocks or roosters. Castrated males, because that's a thing that they have to do to chickens sometimes, are called capons. Females that are less than a year old are called pullets, and a year old and older are called hens. The name chicken comes from the Old English word chicken, which means chicken. It means delicious feathery bird. <laughs> delicious tiny dinosaur. Yes. They're a medium-sized, mostly flightless bird, although some of them do fly a little bit. Usually some shade of brown or white with lots of fluffy feathers. There's all sorts of different breeds of chickens. Some of them look just ridiculous and wonderful. A rooster will generally have a bright red comb above its beak, and that's how you can tell it apart from a hen. Yes, sir. So that's about that's about that for the description of a chicken. If you live on planet Earth, it, you probably know what a chicken looks like. One of the things that's sort of interesting about chickens 
is that they do this thing called, let me see if I can say this at the, at the first try, unihemispheric slow wave sleep. Do you know what that is? <laughs> Good job. No, I do not. That is sleeping with one half of your brain while the other one remains alert. Oh, I think I did that last night. Oh, really? I'm pretty tired, oh. yeah. Oh. No, that's just insomnia. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think humans could do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so most things don't do this. Most things don't shut off half their brain. There are a number of animals that do, including several cetaceans, which makes sense if you think about whales and dolphins and stuff. They're in the ocean, so they have to breathe, and they have to breathe with oxygen, so they have to shut off half their brain so they can get sleep. But they also have to have the other one, the other side of their brain awake so that they remember to get up and get a breath right right so, yeah it's so weird yeah it's very weird and a lot of birds do it there are quite a few birds that do it including the chicken <laughs> yes it, let's see it has a, a unique physiology in the brain with this it has a different it includes a differential release of neurotransmitters called acetylcholine which i also said i think mostly right on the first pass so this kind of sleep offers a number of benefits including the ability to rest in areas of high predation which is probably why chickens have it or during long migratory flights which explains why other birds would have it the behavior remains an important research topic because this way of sleeping is probably the first animal behavior which uses different regions of the brain to simultaneously control sleep and wakefulness. So they gotta, they'll learn a whole bunch about the brain in general by studying this kind of sleeping, which is very interesting. That is and, very interesting. Yeah, it's really fun. And you should look at the, I'll try and include a polysomnogram, an EEG of a brain that is one half asleep and one half awake. It's oh, really neat. interesting. <laughs> In domestic chicks and other species of birds that use this kind of sleep, you see how I'm avoiding saying unihemispheric slow wave sleep over and over again? <laughs> you nailed it again, man. <laughs> Well, in this kind of sleep, domestic chips, chicks, and other species of birds, one eye remains open, contralateral, that means on the opposite side to the awake hemisphere. So the closed eye is shown to be opposite the hemisphere engaging in slow wave sleep. Learning tasks, such as those that include recognizing predators, demonstrated in the open eye could be preferential. So that, that means that it's like definitely on higher alert, right? And yeah. In that eye, I think mostly. So it's also been shown to be the favored behavior of beluga whales, though they have some inconsistencies in relating the sleeping hemisphere and the open eye. So that's, they're still trying to learn about it. But wow. um, there are birds that engage in this while they are in mid-flight. <laughs> that is crazy. Like... I imagine, imagine a migrating bird. Chickens don't really do this, but other birds would be like, well, okay, it's going to be a long trip. Like, I'll just turn off half my brain and get a little, a little shut eye, a little shut one eye, a little nap, <laughs> little kip, air kip. <laughs> they're, they're literally sleeping with one eye open. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So brain temperature has been shown to drop. When it's sleeping, EEG is exhibited on one or both hemispheres. 
this is interesting. The decrease in temperature has been linked to a method to thermoregulate and conserve energy while maintaining unihemispheric slow wave sleep. Wow. So there's all sorts of interesting things about it that are fun to study and probably difficult to study, I would imagine. I'm not sure how you would do that, but the benefits seem to be adaptation to high-risk predation, just give you have a little better chance of surviving, and uh, it seems to be based on your surroundings, whether you have it or not, what sort of environment you live in, and uh, it gives rest during long flights, so it's all a good thing overall for birdies. And of course, chickens don't do any of those things, they don't live in the water, and they don't go on long migrations, but... It probably helps them not get eaten by weasels who are trying to get into the chicken coop. (laughs) Yep. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's really weird. Nature is so weird. This seems like a good topic for the chickening because this is a very weird phenomenon. (laughs) You know, it turns out that there are several populations of feral chickens out in the wild in various parts of the world. Did you know this? (gasps) I didn't know that. Yes. I love this article, when chickens go wild. (laughs) Not wild chickens, but feral chickens. I got to be careful. Yeah. So these chickens are derived from domestic chickens that have escaped and returned to the wild. Mm -hmm. And there are large active populations in the United States, Hawaii, Great Britain, New Zealand, Australia, Bermuda, the Cayman Islands, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Wow. So not only is the idea of a pack of wild chickens just kind of funny to think about, but... It's also an opportunity for scientists to study domestication and feralization. So the process of domestication has molded animals and their genomes so that they can thrive in human environments. That's why they're domesticated. Yes. Traits that ensure survival in the wild often give way to qualities that benefit humans, like being docile and growing really quickly. Right. So feralization looks on its surface kind of like domestication in reverse. And what they're finding with chickens is that it's not that simple. Feral chickens that are derived from wild and domesticated chickens will retain some of the traits that have been selected by humans, and they'll get back some of the traits that reflect their wild past. Right. One of the only truly wild species of chicken is the red waterfowl of Southeast Asia. And those birds made their way over to Hawaii about a thousand years ago. Domesticated chickens were introduced to Hawaii several hundred years later. Those domestic chickens escape. They're sexually compatible with the wild chickens in Hawaii, specifically Kauai. That winds up being home to a single hybrid population of feral chickens that have a mixture of traits from modern and ancient chickens. So it winds up being a really good place to study what feralization is and and what happens. Wow. Modern domestic chickens have been bred to not sit on or brood their eggs. And the reason why is that it makes it easier for humans to collect those eggs. In the wild, that puts the chicks at risk from predators, especially mongooses and, and, and weasels and all kinds of stuff. So wild chickens do sit on their eggs. Feral chickens, they sit on their eggs like wild chickens do. So the wild trait wound up being dominant in the feral chickens. Wow. Yeah. Feral chickens are not as big as domestic chickens, but they are bigger than wild chickens. There's a gene that is linked to fast growth in domesticated chickens that has persisted in the feral population. So that's an example of the domesticated gene kind of being dominant. Right. 
Their plumage is a combination of the mostly white feathers, the domesticated chicken, and the darker, more colorful feathers of the wild chicken. So that's a, that's where both genes have kind of, I, I, I don't know genetics, but they've kind of combined. Like they're getting like the best of, of right. both. I got to right. talk to our wonderful listener, Anna, the other day. She lives on Oahu, where there is also a big population of feral chickens. She sees them everywhere. If she leaves her garage door open, the chickens will come in. They will lay eggs and roost on her water heater. Ha! And, uh, yeah, she's posted pictures of this on Facebook. And so I asked her a few questions, and, and she said, well, I don't mind the chickens, but the roosters are very, very loud. Right. We live in military housing, so we are not allowed to coop or feed the chickens. It's against the rules. <laughs> but they, they roam freely. She's even seen them in the Walmart parking lot. Right. They're all over the place. She says the chickens like to dig in the flower gardens, which is a blessing and a curse because they make a mess, but they eat the bugs. Right. They lose a lot of their babies to the mongoose population. They are not protected birds like most birds by the state. And she said that in the past week, her neighbor had some peeps hatch in her yard and the two fell down an open pipe. And so their neighbors got the shop vac out and saved the little uh, the little chicks. Aww. Feral chickens. Just in time to be eaten by the mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Feral it's chickens. It's pretty cool. I just, it kept saying wild chicken, and I kept thinking about, like, a group of chickens all riding motorcycles and with tattoos and stuff. <laughs> They're wild chickens. There's not too many wild chickens left. The, no. Mostly, they're either domesticated or feral. What I loved, and we talked about this on our first episode, was looking at the the descendants of chickens, which are those jungle fowl. They look like chickens. They just look yeah. like chickens. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a little smaller, a little more colorful, but they're chickens. Yeah. <laughs> look at them and go, oh, here, chicken. <laughs> Buck! <laughs> <laughs> uh. So Disclaimer time! The Varmint's podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway. Last time we talked about chickens, we on a scale of 1 to 10 for intelligence, I gave them a 3 and you gave them a 4 or a 5. Yeah, because they can do math. Oh, that's right. They can do math. Yeah. They can still they... do math. So I'm going to just stick with my four or five. <laughs> I'm going to agree with your four or five. Oh, cool. <laughs> peep, 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 Seven, or however many peeps that was. <laughs> I clearly cannot do math as well as a baby chicken. That is so great. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk about more chickens in pop culture than we did in the last time and a couple other little... Uh, oh, we have the... the uh, what are we calling this? The, the chicken... The chicken masters! The chicken masters! <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Right after this word, hey, everybody, we really appreciate you listening to our show right here on Blazing Caribou Studios. Did you know that you can help support our show and help make others like it? Well, you can. Everything from artwork to story ideas to hosting our podcast comes from the support at Blazing Caribou. Please head on over to patreon.com slash blazingcaribou. You can support us for as little as $1 a month and get all the really cool extras that are reserved for our patrons, like a live video of me eating weird things so that you don't have to. That's coming real soon. 
Join the herd today. Patreon.com slash Blazing Caribou. Join the herd! Boo. Hey there everyone, Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you, and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Donna, I was tempted to talk about this last time and this time I'm doing it. Do it! Thanks for being with us for the show this week. Now here's Bobby and the kids to show you one of the most popular dances in America, the chicken dance. Byron always includes the chicken dance when he plays fairs and the worst fest in New Braunfels, Texas. Here's how to do it. Everybody stand up at home and join us. You make the beaks, wings, tail feathers, and four claps. Do that again. Beaks, wings, tail feathers, and four claps. Next, you link elbows and turn in a circle, like this. Or lean back and turn. Or you can turn in place by yourself. Myron, here we go. <laughs> here we go, Myron, the chicken dance. <laughs> Everybody stand up and do it. It gets yeah. even the klutziest wallflower out on the dance floor because it makes everyone look equally silly. And that might be why in a survey of DJs, the chicken dance charts higher than classics such as We Are Family and Respect. Yes, and it's also good for weddings because you can do it with little kids and uh, your grandma and Absolutely. The chicken dance was kind of obscure for a long time. It was written in the late 1950s by a Swiss accordion player named Werner Thomas when he was in his 20s. Uh, at the time, he was tending a flock of ducks and geese, so the tune was first named... Der Ententanz, which is the duck dance. Ah. Mr. Thomas began performing his song at his Davos restaurant around 1963, and he got an immediate reaction. People spontaneously began to move with the melody. They a leg here, an arm up there, and suddenly Thomas thought of his animals. The dance evolved to include a beak, wing, and tail motions. Mr. Thomas eventually named the song Chirp Chirp to mimic the sound of a bird. And in 1971, a Belgian music publisher stopped in the restaurant and he took a liking to the song. And the song quickly became a success in Europe. It migrated to America. A guy named Stanley Mills acquired the U.S. publishing rights. He changed the song's name to Dance Little Bird in an attempt to make it more commercial. He also commissioned English lyrics, which never really caught on and which I, I couldn't find. <laughs> Thank God, because you might make me sing it. <laughs> you couldn't find it? I couldn't find the lyrics. You wouldn't find it. <laughs> this is why we have the chickening. Yeah. <laughs> he lined up several polka bands to make recordings. And in the late 1980s, 30 years later, the dance began showing up at Oktoberfests and other events. Mr. Bills got his first experience of the burgeoning phenomenon when he heard the song played by a band at his own son's bar mitzvah. Huh. He said, hey, I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> then a record label called to ask about using the chicken dance, and Mills had never heard that name used for his song before, but band leaders, that's what they started calling it amongst themselves, and they were performing the tune at weddings and other events, and they were always just calling it the chicken dance, so it's the chicken dance now. Right. 
And by the late 1990s, he was licensing the tune for use on dance compilation CDs, karaoke collections, TV commercials for Burger King, and all sorts of other companies. Uh, like I said, you're hearing it in the background. Everybody knows the chicken dance. The chicken dance is fun. The chicken and dance I, is fun. And I am not a dancer at all. I go to weddings and other things where there's dancing, and I just immediately get uncomfortable. And I pretty much just stay in my seat unless the DJ plays either the electric slide or the chicken dance. <laughs> well, I don't know about the electric slide, but you definitely don't have to have a sense of rhythm or any dancing ability to do the chicken dance. I, that's the beauty of it. I yeah. love the chicken dance. I've been actually doing it this whole time. That's why I can't talk. I think I'll yes. do the chicken dance for my workout. <laughs> I love it. It's corny. If you do it fun. long enough, it's even better than CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh boy! <laughs> Angry emails incoming from CrossFit people. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that was just what for you. you. I don't what have you done? In the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about everybody's favorite rooster, Mr. Foghorn Leghorn, who we didn't yes. talk about last time. So many chickens in pop culture. Yes, there really are. Lots and lots of pop, pop culture chickens. Foghorn Leghorn. I say Foghorn Jay Leghorn is a cartoon <laughs> character that has appeared in the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies cartoons for Warner Brothers. He was created by Robert McKimpson and writer Warren Foster, and he's in 28 cartoons from 1946 to 1963. Doesn't it seem like there would be more cartoons? Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, but wow. they're not. Interesting. <laughs> the character of Foghorn Leghorn was directly <laughs> inspired by the popular character of Senator Claghorn, a blustery southern politician played by Kenny Delmar, who was a regular character on the, the Fred Allen Show, which was a popular radio show in the 1940s. So the vast majority of our audience are not going to remember this guy. I've never heard of that guy. I hadn't either, but it's really interesting to go and try to try to do some research on that guy, which I didn't have a lot of time to do. But he had some catchphrases that they gave to Foghorn Leghorn, like, that's a joke. I say, that's a joke, son. <laughs> <laughs> Delmar had based the character of Claghorn on a Texas rancher who was fond of saying that. So... It's, uh, it's very meta, this character. Got it. <laughs> a leghorn is a breed of chicken, and the foghorn is a description of his loud, overbearing voice. According to <laughs> Leonard Malton, the character's voice was also patterned after a hard-of-hearing West Coast-only radio character from the 1930s, simply known as the Sheriff. So all sorts of stuff on that uh, old-time radio contributing to Mr. Foghorn Leghorn. Foghorn Leghorn is depicted as a large anthropomorphic white adult leghorn rooster. You see, he's white with like a red coxcomb and tail. He has a very stereotypical southern accent, a good old boy speaking style, and a penchant for mischief. In addition to being a reference to Senator Claghorn character, the first half of his name is a joke. Because he's being all loud and obnoxious. Yeah. He first appeared in 1946 in a Henry Hawk film titled Walkie Talkie Hockey. <laughs> On the 
All the motion picture Foghorn Leghorn cartoons were directed by McKimson, and the rooster ties with the Tasmanian Devil as the most popular character associated with that director. Hmm. Many of the gags in Foghorn Leghorn cartoons involve his canine nemesis, formerly known as the Barnyard Dog, D-A-W-G. <laughs> Within Warner today, although early model sheets, his name is George P. Dog. So he engages in a series of one-upmanship pranks with this dog, and they are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike other Looney Tunes rivalries, with the notable exception, blah, 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 with the notable exception of Wild E. Coyote and the Roadrunner, Foghorn is often the initial aggressor out of self-amusement, and subsequently on the losing end of the gags. Although the dog sometimes does start everything. <laughs> yes. However, it ends. The formula for how it begins is usually the same. Foghorn is humming Camptown Races to himself and carrying a wooden fence post. He sneaks up on the dog while he's sleeping. Then he pulls the dog up by his hindquarters and uses the fence post to give him a big spanking. <laughs> the I remember dog, that. angry, chases after Foghorn barking, but can only go as far as the rope as he tied to. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and he, he gets yanked back and stopped. And in some of the cartoons, Foghorn actually stands to one side of a sign that says rope limit. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog just stops just shy of it rather than choking himself. And uh, he, he, the dog's line is, he always keeps barking at him. And Foghorn goes, ah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so That's silly. That's great. And... So there's tons and tons of this. I think my favorite ones are with the chicken hawk, mm -hmm. who is always trying to take him home and eat him. Because he's like, I'm a chicken hawk. And he's this little teeny guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, his uh, girlfriend is Miss Prissy. And her little son is the little nerdy kid with the glasses and the beanie with the propeller Yes, on it. and he's always trying he's to tell him how to do stuff do stuff yeah and then the kid is always the little baby chicken is always outdoing yep. him in a major way and it's so it's really funny one of my favorite quotation is he says to that kid see you keep nodding your head yes when you or no you keep shaking your head no when you mean yes <laughs> <laughs> there is a website i'll put a link in the show notes too which is called foghorn leghorn sayings and it's just got a bunch of quotes where he says i keep pitching them and you keep missing them <laughs> that boy is about as timid as a canary at a cat show <laughs> that kid's about as sharp as a pound of wet liver <laughs> pay attention boy i'm cutting but you ain't bleeding <laughs> oh it's terrific oh my goodness what a day for tramping through the woods. I'm a chicken. Rooster lot is. Don't give me that. You're not a chicken. What am I then, boy? You're a loudmouth snook. Look at here, son. <laughs> I'm no loudmouth snook. This is a dog, not a chicken. Chickens don't look like dogs. Who told you this was a chicken, son? Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. <laughs> Now what's that? I see. Now what's that boy up to? Better check on it, yeah. Hey boy, what's going on here? What you trying to do? Oh no, back off there, son. You'll never do it. You're not strong enough. Job like this is gonna have a little how. 
There you are, boy. Your pumpkin is tied down pretty. Got a match, mister? Match? Match? Yeah, here you are, boy. Uh, don't set the world on fire. <laughs> These kids coming up nowadays don't even know how to tie down their pumpkins. Why, when I was a boy, I... Say, I never tied down no pumpkins. Hey, son, what's you tying down a pumpkin for? What's a... <laughs> Ask a silly question, get a silly answer. <laughs> oh, it's terrific. Uh, 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 and the best one ever. As senior rooster around here. It's my duty and my pleasure to instruct junior roosters in the ancient art of roostery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Oh, Foghorn Leghorn. He's great. Oh, my gosh. Still so funny. I was watching a few of those cartoons and just, oh, he's so funny. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know I have this lovely pot pie ready to go in the oven. Isn't that gorgeous? Tell me you wouldn't put that in your food box. Chicken pot pies in my food box. Yum. 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 I, I think, yeah, yeah. just, yeah. I don't think we've changed since last time. I think we're both eating chicken. I would eat the heck out of some chicken. <laughs> Yum. Well, hello, Paula Donna. I've been meaning to ask hello. you. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Nope. Well, let's help you win that next <laughs> trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With the animal fact of the week. Back to you, amigos. Yeah, we're going to let other people do that for us this week. This is so cool. We got all of these chicken masters. The chicken masters. The chicken masters! <laughs> These are people that we've met along the way in podcasting and in the Varmint's discussion group. And they have chickens, and they know what they're doing with chickens. And they have a lot of a things of to say too. about chickens. Let's talk about chickens. Today is the chicken masters. You are a chicken master. So, when did you start keeping chickens, and Why? We started keeping chickens, um, like, la two years ago. Um, so we, um, we tried doing chickens before, but it didn't really work out, and we wanted to try it again. For the eggs. I started keeping chickens about four years ago, and uh, it started off kind of as one of those things. I thought it was just a, a fun thing to do. I love animals, so why not? Uh, and then I thought getting the eggs would be something that I wanted to have, and it turns out it is. It's really nice to have fresh eggs. And um, just the chickens themselves are so much more enjoyable than I thought they would be. So I'll probably own chickens for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh my goodness. So um, I went to a small private elementary school here in Seattle, um, Bertie School on Capitol Hill. And my kindergarten teacher, Ann Eccles, she had some eggs in an incubator, and she would do it every year. But, you know, the year I was in kindergarten, I was just, I became obsessed. She had them in the incubator. We watched their development and pictures, and we talked about it. We'd watch the eggs, and um, eventually, when they hatched, I just, I had a hard time putting them down. Um, at the Puyallup Fair every year, I'd want to hold on to the baby chickens, and I would sit there until they fell asleep in my hands, and my parents would be, of course, 
Now I understand, absolutely bored out of their mind, watching me hold a baby chicken who's sound asleep. And I would stay there for as long as they would let me. And um, I was hooked. So um, I always told myself when I got a place of my own, I would get chickens. And then um, I'm a teacher now. And when I was, um, before I did my my master's in teaching, I went and taught with my kindergarten teacher again. And she was still hatching eggs, of course. So I say to her, or she says to me, are you going to bring home a chicken again this year? And I said, uh, of course. I just, I can't get enough of them now. They're my favorite pet ever. You know, I ended up accidentally working on a farm as a farmhand and they needed someone to raise chickens. I had never seen a chicken up close or even touched one. How it started, they had a wonderful library. It's an organic farm here in Oregon. And they said, we have all the books you could need. And I learned everything from books. So what are some of the challenges about keeping the chickens and, and uh, what did you find out the hard way? So um, I would definitely say, you think you're only gonna have three, but you're gonna have more. So definitely build bigger, because you won't regret it. Um, also, we dug chicken wire into the ground. Um, we went, you know, two plus feet into the ground with, well, it was really hardware cloth, because chicken wire is too weak to actually keep out um, any predators. So we dug that into the ground because we thought, oh, that way rats can't dig underneath, right? Well, research your area, because rats in our area can dig up to five feet underground. So they're totally in the coop, and we are constantly fighting that battle. Um, I would definitely say no matter what, put something across the bottom. Um, if I had to do it over again, I would actually put it on stilts and keep it off the ground, and then do a ramp down into the chicken run. Um, chickens also really like to dig, so if you free-range them, be aware that they're going to dig gigantic holes in your grass, dirt, flower bed. Even if you have a closed chicken run, they're going to dig holes. So um, having a lot of sand in their run and some kind of prevention from digging holes next to a fence line, which then predators could get into, um, is a big thing as well. I think out of all the pets I've ever owned with chickens, um, your risk of losing them to different things like illnesses or predators is a lot higher than it is with other pets, and I wasn't really expecting that. So, uh, you know, we've lost a few along the way, and then there's been a few that we've had to deal with ourselves just because they weren't going to make it. So that's been kind of hard for the animal lover in me. I don't want to see any of my, any of my pets get hurt or, you know or pass away, so that's been probably the hardest part for me. I would say that as far as I'm concerned, there is only one challenge to raising chickens, and that's the varmints, the, and especially weasels and raccoons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just want to eat chickens so bad. And so I'm afraid that everyone has to learn the hard way how to make the weasel-proof chicken coop. Oh, how do you make the weasel-proof chicken coop? I would say that you have to get the wire that is the most expensive, of course. <laughs> it has the tighter right. mesh. The littler, the better. All right, so the first time keeping our chickens, so we had them as chicks, and my dad built a coop. And so we had the coop out, and the first night, first or second night, the chicks we put out there, a bear ripped open and ate all of them. So we found out we needed an electric fence. Yeah, and then we have a electric fence on this one. And we also, since our coop was really small, we added a back part to it. And then like, 
the animals can't get, like, foxes can't get in, buying too much food. Why is that, Chad? Like, um, so you might want to, like, go to the store and get, like, extra food for yourself and, like, like get stuff for, like, nine weeks ahead of time. But you'll have to, instead of that, you'll have to, like, you'll have to get chicken food instead of getting extra food. So are there other chicken challenges? How about they poop on our porch? Yes. No, that's not a problem. That's a problem for mom. Yeah. Yeah, so the, one of, some of the things we deal with is we free range our birds, which means they run around the yard all the time, most of the time, and they like to poop on the porch. They also, um, if you leave the front door of the house open, they come in the house and that upsets the uh, balance of the marriage. If you leave your car door open, they'll jump up in the car for, if they want to go for a ride. Uh, but mostly it's they poop everywhere and they attract other varmints like foxes and bears and coyotes. And you. And Zoe, yeah. And Zoe. Yeah. And you. <laughs> so our well summer is named Henrietta. And um, even with one eye, she is one of the top of my pecking order. And then that was the raccoon attack. Like she really just has one eye now. The other one is sewn shut because the the infection in the cut and stuff. And then we have a silver laced wine dot. And um, she's also like seven or eight years old. And she's beautiful. She, even though we've had her since she was about six months old, she does not want to be around people at all. She will stay the furthest away from us ever. And her name's Heidi. And so she's also the top of the pecking order. So both, both the top of the pecking order girls one loves us, one hates us, and it's so weird. And um, she also is blind in one eye, but I think that has to do with age. Like the, the, um, her pupil just doesn't dilate anymore. Um, our smooth frizzle, her name is Chicoletta from Paw Patrol. Um, the Ayam Samani, they're Indone Indonesian, so we call her Indy. Um, we have two Easter eggers. Um, one which we call baby because we got her as a baby and everyone just called her baby and that's her name um, what else do we have I don't know our black copper Moran and cuckoo Moran we don't have names for them our other Easter egger we don't have a name for her the turkin we don't have a name for her but we used to name them all I know I feel bad we used to name them all our we just you know, we lost so many there for a while that we kind of stopped naming them because then we had to think of new names and memorize them. Like we had a, a Polish that was named Popple. Um, do you remember Popples? Remember those toys? Yeah, so, yeah, that was, that was her name. But, you know, we lost her. <laughs> that was a raccoon attack. Yeah. So I, while I'm attached to them, I do know that I'm not as attached in the way of like my dogs I don't cry when they die but I definitely am sad when they die and they do each have their own little personalities we had we had one that would follow us around and beg for food from the table and make noises until we would feed her so they all are little individual beings oh yeah we had Rosie our Rhode Island Red she was super friendly too um Oh yeah, and the, my very first chicken back in kindergarten, because I'm really good at coming up with names, I named her Peck Peck. And then the next year it was Peck Peck the second. 
And then I had Peck Peck the Third when I was teaching. And then the one that would beg for food was Peck Peck the Fourth. Since then, we've also had Peck Peck the Fifth. And then we've stopped the Peck Peck line for now. <laughs> Do the chickens have names? Yes. What are their names? So um, we've got Buddy, Cleopatra, Cleekly, Jumper, Whitehead, Fluffy Face, um, Starla, Pecky, Groovy Jr., and Hecky. And, um, Scramble. Yeah, Scramble. The um, broody hen. Scramble is the broody hen, and then we also have the chicks, and I'll name the chicks real quick. The chicks' names are, um, Princess, that's what Sam named one of them. Um, Sam, I don't remember that. Penguin. Parents, parents, princess, Penguin, Samantha, um, Katy Perry. Katie, um, that's the one Mama named, um, and the ones I named are um, Sunny, um, Peep, and um, I can't. That's remember. enough names. I and think I have they. One more. I there's a lot remember. of names, Pa. And then we've yeah. also and got Eggie. Goldie. And Eggie. Yeah. And then there's also Goldie, and which is a. Um, I think Goldie bitch. got eaten by the fox yesterday. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. 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 We lost one yesterday to a fox. Who cares? Oh, we cares. I don't. Yes, you do. I do. That's my favorite one. If it was, if it was Fluffy Face, you'd have cared. Yeah. Yeah. That so the me. the yeah, but we have a dog whose job is to chase boxes. I have one chicken that I've had. We've uh, we're actually on, I guess, what I would call our second flock of chickens now. Um, the first we we've never had many at one time. I have ten right now, and then before this, when we first got chickens years ago. Um, we only had like six and then as I said a few of them kind of got picked off by different predators and then a couple got sick so um, we actually got a whole crop of new ones about a year ago and um, but there's one that I still had from my first flock and uh, I've had her for she's just so sweet and she's honest she's so small she's a bantam chicken so she's tiny and um, I've saved her from a couple of near-death experiences and the most recent one was just a few months ago um, I'm not really sure what happened to her but she was her one of her sides was like ripped wide open and I actually had her living in my spare bedroom in a dog kennel for about four weeks and nursing her back to health and um, that was always interesting. Every time anybody would come over to our house, they would be like, do you have a chicken living in the other room? I was like, yeah, of course I do. I'm just going to take care of her and hope that she uh, makes it. And um, she's actually broody sitting on eggs right now. So I'm very happy that I was able to save her and she can be a mummy. A couple of them have names. Um, I haven't named all of them. The rooster is all white and his name is Walter White, appropriately, and because Breaking Bad is one of my favorite TV shows. He's loud, he's very annoying. He crows at all hours of the day. Um, he's pretty young still, he's about 10 months old. So um, he's still figuring it all out, but I've woken up at two, three o'clock in the morning and heard him out there going at it. So, <laughs> uh, And then the one that I have that is sitting on eggs, her name is Emmy. Um, she has a little green tint to her feathers, so Emmy is short for emerald. And then um, some of them just have little goofy nicknames, like I have a red chicken that we call Big Red, and but I don't name them all. Um, just the ones that it's kind of whatever whatever name naturally pops out and sticks. That's what I call them. All right. So once we saw a bunny run by, and after the bunny ran a fox, 
After the fox came Ruthie. Came me. No, nope. Ruthie. 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 After then you. Ruthie came me. After me came Sam. After Sam came all the chickens. After the chickens came the turkeys. And then the bunny came running up. Ruthie came running up. Zoe came running up. I came running up. The chickens came after. And the and um. And the fox. And the fox. Yeah. Yeah, it was like this, this like parade of animals running across our yard. Okay, you can go if you run across the yard, the chickens will chase you. They just want to hang out. Yeah, right now any I'm other? holding Hecky. You got anything else? Hmm. Oh, um, yeah, um, at Zoe's birthday party, we were um doing a um a Harry Potter birthday party, and we were playing Quidditch, and one of the chickens just ran up into the game. It's like, hey, I want to play. <laughs> Yeah, our chickens are our chickens are very social and just really like being around people because the kids hand raise them, and oh. so they're part of the uh, flock. The kids are part of the flock. No. Sam, anything else? Any closing words? Parting chicken thoughts? Um, chickens are really fun to have if you have kids. They're wonderful. <laughs> and fluffy faces are going to say hi. Oh. Make some noise. <laughs> fluffy faces are is our fluffy faced chicken. Looks kind of like Colonel Mustard. He's got fluffy cheeks, a fluffy chin. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and Sam has trained about half the birds to sit uh, on command. So yeah, she... fluffy face also wears a harness. Mm -hmm. Well, the one thing that I love about chickens is that they are always happy. And they are like puppies. They want to follow you around. As soon as they see you, they come running. And um, that can be a problem, though, if you've left the gate open. So, oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so I left, I accidentally left the gate open and I started walking around to do my other chores with the other animals and they followed me the entire way. But they didn't just follow me. They went into the farmhouse <laughs> with me and they went into the garden with me and I did not notice. <laughs> <laughs> oops. Did you have chicken poop everywhere? <laughs> did, I did. I did. <laughs> they ate a lot of my garden. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> It was a chicken day out. Ah, oh, excellent. Well, thanks for talking to us about chickens for chickens too. The chickening. The chickening. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I love Varmint so much. And we love you. So that's it. That was the Chicken Masters. We want to thank Mandy from the Moms and Murder podcast. Clay Groves with his kids Sammy and Zoe from the Fish Nerds podcast. Nicole, who is the wife of Steve from the Baked and Awake podcast. And of course, our number one fan, Bridget, who is the moderator in the Varmints Discussion Group on Facebook. She's the best. BCD! <laughs> I think the big takeaways I got from that were predators are the biggest problem if you're going to keep chickens, like yeah. keeping the predators away. Everything wants to eat chickens. Yeah, don't spare the chicken wire. Get the good stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for everybody for contributing to that. And if you go to our show notes on blazingcariboustudios.com, we'll give you links where you can find these people and the things that they're doing, and we'll give you links to their podcasts and all kinds of good stuff. And, and thank you again, everybody. We really do appreciate that. Yeah, I think we got through the chickening alive. I think we did. I think uh, the sky is clearing up and everything is okay. I think it's going to be all right. <sighs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod, vocal talent by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, 
Andrea Freitas, Chris the Toaf Green. You can find out more about them and the wonderful things that they are doing in the show notes, again, at blazingcariboustudios.com. And by you, the Patreon supporter, and by you, the person who bought stuff from tpublic.com slash varmints slash stores slash varmints, excuse me. Thank you so much for uh, supporting the show. We really do appreciate it. We do, and we hope you like your tote bag. Yeah. Hey, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it very easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast, so let's hear from some Rugrats. Yes, Jareth this week has something to say about chickens. Excellent. I'm Jareth, and I'm five years old, and I'm going to talk about chickens. What do you Good. know about chickens? Mm, they lay eggs. They lay eggs? What else do you know about chickens? Mm, um, do they probably... What do rice do the chickens do? Do chickens know how to fly? Sure. They cluck. They cluck. Cluck, cluck, cluck. And where do they live? In the farm. And what colors are they? I think they're kind of like yellow, red, and a little bit of black, and a little bit of white. Yep. Yep. And would you like to have a chicken as a pet? Sure. Sure? <laughs> if you had a chicken as a pet, what would you name it? Mm. Fuzzy. Fuzzy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else do they do? Do they cut with scissors? <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't cut with scissors, but that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Basically, if you ask a kid what color a chicken is, he could say any color and he'd be right. Yeah, pretty much. There are lots of different colors of chickens. (laughs) And that lady with that wonderful laugh at the end was his mom, Samantha. Thank you so much, Jareth and Samantha, for doing that. Thanks, guys. Really do appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time. Be nice to animals. Be nice to chickens. Yeah, do be nice to chickens. And also, they're very yummy. (laughs) You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. A record label, a record label. God, I can't talk today. It's the chickening. It's it's the chickening. It's very emotional. (laughs) 